Morning. 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 Uh, the uh, David, pray for the word this morning. Father God, we ask that you fill Father Ron with the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. We ask that the word of your tongue be pleasing in the sight of your eyes. We ask that you reach down to me and fill with your word, Lord. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you guys this morning on this nice, crisp fall day, finally. You know, the, uh, it's, it's, it's always great to come here. I always enjoy it. And it's uh, usually God teaches me much when I'm here about stuff and all. And, Today is a very, uh, one of those days for me to try to figure out what's going on because in the last six to eight weeks or so, we've just went through an awful lot at the cathedral. We've had two funerals of, of uh, what I call young people. They weren't like teenagers. They were 30 and 40 year olds. And, uh, and then we just did a conference for the last uh, Wednesday night through Friday night on uh, uh, the Tyler conference was uh, it, it is finished and the birthing of the new creation and all so we I've been terrifically busy and in that period of time I think I've been here once or twice even and then I was just in Fairhope last Sunday uh, and everybody does this different you know so like when, when Brian got up and walked I was like I almost had a panic attack I was like okay he's leaving <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doomed if he leaves. I have no clue what to do next. Because <laughs> everybody, we all do things a little bit differently. And uh, when we do them, and we do things very differently at the cathedral than, than here or in Fairhope. And then Fairhope does things uh, different than what uh, everybody's doing here. So it's, uh, it's always fun when God pokes fun at you. And he's been doing that this morning with just like... Um, making me so aware of how little that I truly know in everything. So I'm going to share uh, a little bit of what I shared at a Eucharist service on, I think this was Thursday, and it's from the letter of Colossians that Paul wrote. Uh, in, uh, I, you know, I, when coming up here this morning, I was saying, Lord, what would you speak to your people uh, and he just seems to keep confirming that I need to try to do this. And, uh, so anyway, in the first chapter of Colossians, I'm going to read a good bit of uh, Colossians. I'm going to actually read through this uh, a part of the second chapter because it's, it's all together and, it, and it's so relevant. So anyway, beginning with the ninth verse. Uh, and don't worry, I'm not going to try to preach an expository sermon unpacking each verse totally and completely. That's not me. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. One of the things that we do need to remember about Colossians is that Paul didn't know nobody. He had never met these people. He had just heard of these people. And he felt compelled to write this letter to them to be sure that they were continuing in the faith that was preached by the apostles and that they wasn't getting all mixed up 
because of their own particular brand of philosophy that they've listened to as, a, as being Greeks or from uh, the Jews being taught from the temple. Uh, so he is really, you know, he had a real love for, for them and a concern for them. So he writes this letter, um, verse 10, So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, patience joyously. But giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be share in the inheritance of the saints and lives. Now, Paul writes in a particular way, and, and I'm finding this more and more as I read it, that he kind of talks uh, about stuff like them, like this here, he's telling, he's just talking about them and you know to what they should be doing and a little bit and all that. But then Paul will all, always seems to transition into uh, what this next phase is, which uh, is it's what I'm going to try to say to you is just do this. You know, it's, it's, uh, this is the important stuff. The other stuff is, is, is important, but this, this is the real important stuff. This is the stuff that you have to get. If you, don't, if you don't get this, then you're going to always struggle with everything else because this is the important stuff. So Paul begins in the 13th verse. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the first, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. It was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you have you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God, bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generation, 
but now has been manifested to his saints to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ for this purpose also I labor contending or striving according to his power which is mightily works within me in chapter 2 for I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love attaining to all the wealth that comes from all from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself to whom are hidden all the tre treasures of wisdom and knowledge I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive arguments. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good, your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy in empty deception according to the traditions of men according to elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ for in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form and in him you have been made complete and he is the head of all rule and authority and in him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you also you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us which was hostile to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross amen when I was reading this the other day and I've noticed this before but it just came a little bit more alive to me because of the circumstances that's been going on in my life lately and because uh, when you're faced with tragedies and you're faced with a lot of work and a lot of stuff and you're running and you're going it's easy to get lost in all the stuff and it's easy it's, uh, to start questioning God in many ways and I'm not talking about questioning that God exists or question that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins but just questioning him about stuff you know I was thinking on my way up here today like you know when we go when we question God in any way about anything even something as simple as God I don't what, what, like what are you doing you know uh, that's not really the best thing for us to do. 
You know, it's not a horrible thing to do because God doesn't, doesn't, God doesn't mind. But it does expose a lack of trust in Him. You know, because really what we're saying is, God, what are you doing? And all. It's usually that question, we really should rephrase that question to, God, why are you doing things this way? Because that's not the way I think you should be doing things. You know? To, uh, the thing that I'm coming to see and to understand about my Christian life and the Christian life in our church and the world as it is today is that we're way too self-centered. Way, way too self-centered. And our churches are way, way too self-centered. You know? Every church, if uh, as a clergy going to a church... If I want to start up a conversation with the, any of the clergy, I can just go, well, what are you guys doing about church growth? And it's an endless discussion that can go on for days and weeks and months and years. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with the church growth stuff. If you keep it in perspective, maybe, I'm not sure even. Uh, but it's, 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 it's almost a silly question. For me, is like, what are you doing about church growth? You know, there's only one answer to that, and that's Christ. And that's what, if you notice in the reading of this, I tried to emphasize it, and I don't know if I did a very good job. In Colossians, Paul keeps coming back. He comes back, and it, and he says, this is all about him. And Paul lays it out, all that he has done, not what we're doing. But it's about what Christ has, himself has done. And that should be where we're at. And that should be our emphasis. It's not about what's going on. Not about what to do. But it should be about what he has already accomplished and what he has already done. I was kidding with a friend of mine about this conference. Actually, I think it was Father Ronnie who was talking to us. And said about his, the conference was about it's finished. I said, so... You know, I'm, I've got to do two small homilies. I said, so what do you do when it's about it's finished? I mean, if it's finished, well, shouldn't I just shut up? You know? And really, it's kind of that way. He's done it. Now, there is a trying to understand and trying to come to, come to really grasp the fact which I don't know that we can ever totally grasp the fact of all that he accomplished on the cross. Then, because when he said it was finished, what did he truly mean by that word? You know? Now you can do the Greek studies and all of that, and I think that that word in Greek is tetelestai, or tetelestai, something, it's one of those, something in that area. I'm not good at English, much less Greek. But the word has a more meaning than it's finished. Like That word is also used in the Greek language to mean it's perfect. And so when Christ died on the cross, He accomplished everything. There's nothing left for Him to accomplish. It's already been done. He accomplished it then. And we just need to underst really understand that and to accept that. Now, I've been... Most of my homilies center around this and the love of God. And that, that's our first and foremost thing that we need to do is, 
is to set in him set before him set in his presence and to learn to love him as he loves us and that he does love he loves us completely totally like setting in his presence doesn't change his love setting in his presence changes our love be going before uh, to an altar and being before a cross they don't have a cross What's before a cross <laughs> Did, oh it's over here because y'all used to have a hanging cross that's over there uh, doesn't change God doesn't change what God's doing in any way with you or anyone else it changes us and so someone said something to me one time said well you know what you're saying is that God loves us the way we are so does that mean that I don't have to change anything yes that's exactly what it means but if you're in in his love and you're abiding in his presence his love changes you See, I knew when I came to Christ as a young man that I'd pretty much already, I mean, I'd, I had tried to be a Christian and all and uh, didn't do very well until I had walked away. And so I understood it on a certain level and I come to understand that even more so later in life is that I cannot do this. You know, our bishop makes this, has made the statement for years and years is that the Christian life is impossible. Nobody can live the Christian life. Only Christ can live the Christian life. And most of the time, we spend all of our time worrying about what we're doing or not doing rather than worrying about what He is doing. And what He is doing is what He's already done. And so you can read over and over in Paul's letters. You can go to the Gospels and you can see these things. That these are the things he's done. You know. For by him all things were created both in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominion or rulers authorities. All things have been created through him. And for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things are held together. And on and on and on. We need to be more in tune to him and to his love for creation for all of creation and for us because that's who he is and so as a part of what we were doing in this conference was trying to get people to to uh, quit beating themselves up and to rest rest in him and um, this is again one thing I know is that Every time that I've done something to be better, he's had to undo all that I did. Because I find out that my ways are not his ways. And that his ways are really the best way and the ways that actually work long term. Because see, my idea... And I think most Christians uh, is, you know, it's, it's kind of what we're taught, particularly males are, I think, taught this about being disciplined, about disciplining yourself, about, you know, that if you discipline yourself, that everything's going to be okay. You know, if you play sports, if you, if you discipline yourself and do the stuff, that it's going to be okay. You know, of course, here in Tuscaloosa, Nick Saban's whole thing is just 
Be disciplined. Be disciplined. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't do what you're not supposed to do. Be disciplined. Be disciplined. Everything's going to be okay. And that works in some context. But it doesn't work as a Christian. Because we always fail. And when we fail, then we doubt the whole thing. And it gives the enemy foothold to come in and to bring condemnation because we didn't do what we thought we should do in the way that we think that we should be doing it. We have to quit thinking in those terms and think in the terms of what He has done. We have to understand what He has done. Now, it says that He has made you righteous and holy. Some days you don't get that very well. You know, because you're not doing too well with it. But you know, just because you, you're, you're failing today, or yesterday, does not change the truth that He has made you righteous. And all we can really do is accept the truth of what He has said, believe what he has said and rest in him and in his love for us and when we do that we find that his life is is just becomes so much a part of our life and then we begin to understand what Paul said it is Christ in you the hope of hope of glory it is Christ in you living his life it's no longer you living your life in the flesh and striving through your own will, your own strength, your own determination. But it is Him that begins to live that life and begin to, t begin to truly change your life in real ways at work. You know, sometimes God surprises me with this because I, I find myself doing things that I wouldn't do. But it's the things that he does. You know, I walk away going like, that was odd. I would have done it. Why did I do that? Uh, it goes against all my nature, my flesh nature. It's because he is slowly taking over and living his life. So there's nothing we can really do to make Christ live his life in us. We just have to allow Him to do that. So what we have to find is this resting place, this place of, of complete, utter dependency on Jesus Christ for every aspect of our life. I find it interesting when Paul, Paul says, uh, I say this so that no one would delude you with persuasive arguments. In other places he talks about vain philosophies. You see, because it all comes down. Paul, Paul is able to cut through the chase and cut through the clutter, clutter so good. Because he, makes statements, he just makes these statements. Think about this. If you come to me for counsel, or if you come to me for the... For, confession and reconciliation or what, however your mind works in that but you come to me and because you've done something or did something or didn't do something or whatever and you're really 
this is bothering you greatly and you're just really kind of been you're beating yourself up and you're allowing the enemy to beat yourself up to the place if I'm a good priest which some days I do better than other days what I would say to you is when you tell me all this because you're going to uh, like I maybe be you're going to be saying well I lost my temper and I said some really bad things to my husband or to my wife or to my children and I just don't know what I'm going to do you know I'm just such a failure I just keep doing these same things over and over and see what Paul would tell you and what we should tell one another is yet yet he has now reconciled you in his flesh flesh in his fleshly body through death his death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach this is what he has done and you just need to go and appropriate that by just simply confess to him and ask for his forgiveness and then allow and then trust by being by putting some time in with him most of us as Christians spend so little time with Jesus in any way that it's such a shame to us. We spend so little time in reading. So little time in, in just being before Him. You know. That it is it any wonder that we struggle in our relationship with Him? Because that's when we're, when we're struggling in life it's because we're struggling in relationship to Him. See, we're all here today because He placed us here today. If He didn't want us here today, we'd be somewhere else. It's simple. He's God. He gets to do these things the way He wants to do them. So for whatever His reasons are, which I don't need to understand, nor should I understand. He has me here today. Now, you know, I might get crazy with all this and go like, you know, I'm here today because I'm here to minister to you and bring some tremendous spiritual word that's going to revolutionize and totally, absolutely change your life. No, I'm here today because he wants me here today. I don't know why. You know, I'm sharing some things that, that God's doing in my heart to change my life and everything that he's been doing over the last two to three months is this is all the same thing he's he's coming at me from many different directions now but it's all about him it's all about me being aware of him it's all about me caring more about him and less about me and then trusting and believing in him People will ask us many times, well, how do you walk out this Christ in you and you in Christ thing? You know, it's called faith. You know, I told our bishop some time back, I said, you know, I read all these books that, that you talk about, about the, the life in Christ, the Keswick, the book, books that came out of the Keswick movement, the uh, Watchman Nee, Tozier, so, and all, just so many of these guys. I read those guys when I was like 21 years old. But uh, I complicated it. 
Because I could never believe that what they said, that it was Christ in me, that living His life in me, was that simple. I kept thinking, well, I've got to do something here. I'm not, or I'm not getting it. And I can remember reading books like Tozer and Watchman E, particularly reading and going, I just don't get that. Like, how do you, I don't get this. Because my, my life experience was not that. You know, because I was just reading about that. So I had no experience in that. So it didn't make sense to me at all as to how I could rest in Christ and how Christ could actually live His life through me. I didn't, it was like a big, it was a huge mystery to me. And all. And then it, it clicked a few years ago is that I just have to believe. I just have to trust, have to walk in faith, and have to just, again, uh, the key to the Christian life. And there's many things that we could call keys to the Christian life. But I think the biggest key to the Christian life is us spending time with Him. Just loving Him. Being in His presence. Not being a Martha, but being a Mary. Being willing to just sit at His feet. Being willing to wash His feet with our tears of love for Him and our tears of sorrow. One of the things about love, and I was reminded of this not very long ago because I was really in this place of like, God, I don't, I don't love you like what, I, what you say. I don't love you with my whole heart. I don't love you with all of my mind. I don't love you with all of my strength. And, you know, and the enemy was really just, he had me for a little bit with that going, so see, you're just a failure. You're 69 years old and you're just, you're never going to get it. You're just never going to get there. And then I was reminded, and I'm not sure exactly who said this, but I'd read it that, that uh, because I told God, I said, God, I said, I want to. You know, and the biggest longing in my heart now is to love you that way. You know, if, if God appeared here, Jesus appeared here and said, I, I give you one wish, what would it be? You can, you can have a ministry of healing that every person you touch is healed. You can have a ministry of prophecy that is 100% accurate and you can prophesy about everything that's going to happen in the world just like in the Old Testament. Rulers and powers and all this. Or whatever, you know, I would say, I want to love you. That's what my heart longs for. Is to have a love that is radically passionate. Radically crazy in love with Him. To the place that it controls my entire life. Because of who He is. And all, and so I was telling the Lord that, in the midst of this confession of uh, that I don't, and then He reminded me that uh, I had read, and but then, and, and uh, this is so true, is that He counts that 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 longing as love itself, as love itself, and so that's our hope. It's not even in our love for Him. Our hope is in His love for us. 
that He is longing for us so much that the least little movement of towards Him, the least little thing, you know, as it says in the Song of Solomon, that when we glance at Him, just a glance of our eye, if we could get this, just a glance of our eye, just the quickest and briefest glance sets his heart to pounding in radical love for us. So that's kind of where I'm at, and I think it's a good place to be, just longing after him and realizing that as I read the, read the Word of God, as to quit reading it as a Westerner, seeking information and checking off boxes but read it to see him because it speaks it, it brings us back it does give us all this practical how kind of the how-to of life yes but it's not a uh, it doesn't give it to us as a formula it gives us gives us this information more as so we can know when we're not doing it when, we're, when we know to know that we still have a ways to go to know that like we've gotten distracted from him from who he is from what he has done and what he is doing within us and he longs to do in us if we but just allow him the opportunity and the time amen in the name of the father son and holy spirit amen